You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland, and with me on the podcast today is Philip Castleton, and we are delighted that you have joined to listen in on this podcast. And Philip, when we came in this morning, uh, we had balloons and a banner and a beautiful cake that looks delicious. Cake plates, forks, cake cutter. It was amazing when we came in. It was. In fact, we walked in and went, who who brought all this stuff in here? And we thought, why would they put it where we're going to record? So we started moving it all over, getting it out of the way, thinking that we had moved in on somebody's territory. <laughs> right. And then we then we noticed the 100 banner that's right behind me where I'm sitting now. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I know what that is. That That's the 100th recognition or the 100th episode. The recognition of the 100th episode. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really an encouragement. Yeah, and so we don't know who we don't know who did it. Um, uh, we know that there's only probably two people to choose from. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, that, the only two people that, that listen. listen. Yeah, right, right. And, uh, <laughs> and who knows? It's probably our. It's not our wives, <laughs> right? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, uh, but but what a deal! We are thankful for those who made the arrangement to bring the cake and the balloons and went through all the trouble. Thank you for recognizing that. We the 100th episode actually comes out the week of Thanksgiving, which is uh, November the 25th. And so we are delighted to be able to enjoy this today. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. In fact, Miss um, Lisa's already come in here and got her a slice of cake. She has. And, um, yes. It looks fantastic. In fact, it looks fake. It's so pretty. Right. It doesn't even look like a real cake. And I'll taste it in a few minutes and find out for sure if it yeah. is. Uh, yeah. We won't have any trouble telling you if it was real or not. That's right. right. That's right. Um, this is October the 21st when we're actually recording. And what our normal pattern is to record all the podcasts that will come out in a month. And so we're recording all the November podcast. And that's why the cake was brought in today that we might um, celebrate and just think about um, all the podcasts that we've done, the episodes that we've done. I thought somebody was doing it for my birthday. Because it's oh. in a couple of days. Oh, is it really? But then I looked up and went 100th, and I thought they've missed me by a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, sometimes people come in and use the room to, um, to, mm-hmm. to, to do different things with their business or they're having a meeting, sure. a mentor and a mentoree. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was something to do with that. Yeah. yeah. So we are just thankful. Uh, not only did we have this when we came in, but... Philip, you know, we've spent the last uh, several minutes trying to work this new equipment. Yes. Uh, We normally have equipment that belongs to Tyler Jones, Mm -hmm. and he normally comes in and uh, makes all the arrangements, sits it up, sits the volume, all those things. And um, we bought this because he's he's traveling much in the fall. And, uh, in fact, I'm not sure where he is now, but um, we had to call him. To be able to get this set right, because we we had a lot of trouble getting the volume set and all the details that um, make the podcast sound good on the listeners' end. Not only that, but we had like 
two different takes to get started. So yeah, if we could just get this thing to actually fix the way that we answer questions, it would be perfect. <laughs> it would be perfect. <laughs> well, anyway, um, it is good uh, to be with you, Philip, and delighted that we're able to, to record this podcast, this particular episode. Um, we are asking the question: Did Jesus come to bring peace or a sword? Peace or a sword? And of course, this. Um, question comes from Matthew chapter 10, and we see there in verse 34 and 35 and following, do not think, these are the words of Jesus, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. And we'll stop there, and we'll come back to the text, and uh, I think it's relevant to the, the explanation and the answer that we want to give. So, let's think about it. Speaking about the birth of Jesus uh, hundreds of years before it happened, Isaiah said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's Isaiah 9, 6. And when we think about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, we even know that the night that Jesus was born, the angels proclaimed the good news to the shepherds, and they emphasized that Peace is what Christ would bring when they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Mm -hmm. We recently did some episodes out of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And remember, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Um, We see all through the whole um, New Testament, this idea of being uh, peaceable. So when we come to this question, that are the 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 statement that Jesus makes here. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth, uh, but a sword. Then that's where we have to think more clearly. Try to resolve this and think about what does that mean. Well, you know, it's interesting that with the Sermon on the Mount, the peacemaker text, this one, I think a lot of the confusion for people comes in with a misunderstanding of Jesus's purpose from the beginning, right? And which is what he's really going to address here. We, we, we think that because men are at odds with each other, right? Um, that, that what, what's being referenced here is that God came to make peace um, between men, right? right? Um, but I, I don't think for a moment that's what's being discussed here. In fact, I think it'll be clear as, as we continue reading the text that it's not what I think Jesus is addressing when they use the word peace in all of those situations is um, peace between God and man. Mm-hmm. Okay, So the peacemaker is ultimately the one who um, is uh, reconciling God and men. And we have been, for example, a good example that would go along with the peacemaker text would be the fact that we've been given the uh, ministry of reconciliation. Right. Yes. So we're supposed to preach the gospel, explain you know that through repentance and belief, through uh, an understanding and a proclamation of the gospel, that souls are saved and men are brought to peace with God. Romans five one right. Right. So that, that there is peace with God through um, this this act of justification, imputation of righteousness, and so forth. So 
I think that the problem for many is that they think what's being talked about is um, the union of men, the, 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 the satisfaction, if you will, um, or that's not even the right word, the, um, the, the, the cooling of the hotness of war that, that is between people. Right. And, um, and even though that may be and should be probably an outcome, a, a, a legitimate outcome of the outworking of the gospel in people's lives. What Jesus is saying here, ultimately, is that he's called to bring men. Um, and, and when we talk about peace, he's, talk, he's talking about the context between God and men. So when he says here, I did not come to bring peace, now he's talking about between men. Right. So let's go back for a minute, because I think what you're saying, Philip, is, is true in the sense that People tend to think when, when we sing the songs at Christmas and we talk about Jesus being a peacemaker and being the, the one who is the um, Prince of Peace, we tend to think that means uh, inner, inner peace for, within us, that there's a lot of unrest, there's a lot of uh, turmoil within us as we go about our daily responsibilities in life. And we think that somehow Jesus is going to uh, bring peace to us in that sense. Uh, I think we also understand it, as you said, this interrelationship mm-hmm. kind of peace that we, we, we seem to always be angry and irritable and frustrated um, toward one another. And so we can have peace. And then the idea of international peace that is with nations mm-hmm. uh, constantly at war and bringing peace. And we're constantly um, building up our militaries and securing our borders and all those kinds of things um, because there's no peace. Right. And so I think the idea is what you were saying is that people are understanding Jesus as the Prince of Peace, he's going to do all of those things, mm-hmm. which is a misunderstanding. I think so. In fact, I think those, even though they would be ultimately, and they will ultimately be the result yes. of the the peace between God and man, you know, they're, the, because God has made peace with men, right. ultimately one day there will be peace between men and even inner peace as a result of, of a transformed life yeah. because of the gospel, the right. reconciliation between God and man. So those are, if you will... Um, uh, products of uh, what it means to be uh, reconciled or have peace with God. But I don't think that is what it's usually talking about. But in the case of our text today, did he come to bring peace to a sword? I think it is referencing that. Mm -hmm. Did he come to reconcile man to man or did he come to divide men? Right. And I think the the rest of the text that we read is uh, clear because here's the here's the thing that we need to draw down on. I think mm-hmm. we need to understand that when Jesus says, "I've come to bring peace," that the Bible describes us, that is mankind, mm-hmm. as his enemies. Right. Whether we ever voice that or not, whether we ever display that, manifest it in any actions, and we do. Mm-hmm. But what he describes us as. Is it are his enemies? Yeah, and that's a that's that's facet. It's both directions. Right. So we are actually um, at war with God, and um, according to Romans five, he is actually our enemy as well. Yes. So we have both situations which are true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the distinction, and, and, and this is what's amazing about Christ's work on the cross, is he actually came to close that divide, right? That mm-hmm. that dis, that that gap. Yes. Right. But um, 
So he is the one who, who closes that gap. He's the one who, who um, allows God to be just and the justifier of sinner, mm-hmm. right, through his right. propitiatory work. Right. And he's also the one who changes the hearts of men and, and aims their heart now toward obedience and love toward the Savior. So right. he, he satisfies both of those demands. But it's not a one-sided thing. Right. It's God is angry with you. And you are angry with God prior to reconciliation. Yes. Even if you don't recognize it, yes. that, that it will be true of you. Right. Um, and so what you've been referencing and what we were talking about out of Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. What I was referencing and what you just gave a great explanation about was found in that same chapter, Romans 5, beginning there in verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Right. So... So let's think about that. When when now what Jesus is doing in the context of Romans ten, I'm sorry, Matthew, Matthew ten, is talking about discipleship. He, he it's a persecution kind of discussion that he's happening happening with his disciples. Well, actually, he starts yeah even way back in verse sixteen with the fact that persecution is coming. Yes, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Right, be wise as serpents, innocent doves. Beware of men; they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you'll be dragged before governors and kings. And right, this is the he's starting off with because you're mine, yes. because you're mine. It's going to look very different for you, right? right? Um, the world, if if you were of the world, they would love you, but because you're not of the world, because you're mine, the world is going to hate you, right? right? So that's where he starts this this conversation. Right. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Mm-hmm. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. Mm-hmm. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those who are of his household? Right. So that that's where he starts, right? Persecution's coming. It's inevitable. And, and actually, this is the very same thing the Sermon on the Mount said, right? Right. If you're poor in spirit, if you're mourning over your sin, if you're meek, you know, if you're hungry and thirsting after righteousness, you know, if you're a peacemaker, if you're, right, all of these things, we, you know, go through all the Beatitudes, then you're going to be persecuted for my sake, right. for righteousness sake, right? That's what he says. He's saying the same thing. If you're mine, the world is going to hate you. And, and, and then he gets to this point in verse 26 where he's like, but don't worry. Don't yes. fear, yes. right? I'm in control of it all. Um, not even a sparrow in verse 31, not even a sparrow falls that right. I'm not in control of the situation. Right. So persecution's going to come. It's inevitable. I'm warning you now, but stay the course. Faithfulness is the key, right? Right. I'm in control. Right. I know the numbers of the hairs of your head. Right. I fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than sparrows. Yeah. Uh, if he knows, if you buy two sparrows for a penny, right. he knows where sparrow number one is is going to be, and he knows where sparrow number two is. Right. And so how much more you and I? Well, and that's what he says, right? So he says, inev- inevitably, this is, this is the conclusion you need to come to. Don't fear man, because all they can do is kill the body. Right. Fear God, who can kill both the body and the soul. That's right. I, th- th- that's what the inevitable conclusion of all this is. They're going to be persecuted. Don't fear. The worst they can do to you is is cease your heart from beating. Yes. But 
If you're going to if you're going to be my disciple, you need to fear me more than man. Yes. Right? You need to long to serve me more than man. You need to be true to me rather than man because I ultimately can destroy not only your body, but I can destroy you in hell eternally. Yes. Right? That's the warning. And then he gets to verse 34 and says, by the way, don't think I came to to reconcile the, the saved man and the lost man. Right. Which is really the argument, right? Right. I didn't. I, I came to do something else. I came to bring a sword. Well, a sword does what? It cuts. It divides. Right. And that's the argument. That's what he's fisting to unpack. Right. Uh, he's he's going to say, I set a father against his daughter, a mother and against the daughter-in-law and her mother-in-law. The person's enemies will be them of their own household. And then he, he, this is really where he gets to the nuts and bolts of it. Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And he's not saying, here's a burden. It's going to be a burden. You must bear the burden. No, he's saying, take up your cross and march to your death. Right. March to your death. And it's not going to be your enemy. Ultimately, it's going to be the person in your whole house that puts you to death. Right. Your father, your mother, your sister, your brother. He says, no, I'm calling you to... um, to stay the course and be faithful and give yourself wholly and completely over to me and and trusting me, loving me, following me, walking after me, and even to your own physical death. Yes. And he says, and 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 that's what I've called you to. I've called you to love me to such an extent that everything else is 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 worthless. Itself. Yes. And so we know that Jesus's ministry and his. Um, substitutionary death mm-hmm. will bring conflict and division. So here's here's how I would understand it. And here's what I think I can say. And you, you tell me if this, this resonates with you, uh, Philip. Jesus does bring peace. I mean, we, we mm-hmm. do have a sense of peace, a measure of peace, inter, inner, inner kind of peace. Mm-hmm. When we come to faith in Christ, we have a relationship kind of peace. We can go to somebody and humbly ask forgiveness and, um, and forgive. You mean subjective peace in all its forms, yes, right? Yeah. Yes. There's a, there's a there, sense in which all of those things are true. Yes. So, um, Jesus does bring peace, but it's not without division or conflict. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, so that there will be conven- there will be conflict, there will be division, there will be strife because of who he is and we're his follower. But in the midst of that, even, there is some measure of peace for those who are his. Well, yeah. You know, in, in Romans 5, as we've referenced now a couple of times, I, I think when he says, um, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. I think that is the objective peace that God's no longer at war with us. We're no longer at right, war with him. Right. I think that's really the, 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 the point there. But I do. I, I agree with you. I think there is a, a peace of mind uh-huh. that comes. Well, first of all, knowing that my sins are forgiven, that I'm not having to strain and work for my salvation, that right, that Jesus Christ is the end of the law for salvation to all who believe. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's a, a, an um, unbelievable amount of peace that, that, that covers Right, the believing heart. Right, even in Philippians chapter four, Paul would say, um, 
do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, yeah. which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jesus. the fact that God answers prayer, yes. he hears my prayer. He, he wants to meet my needs, right? right? He says that, well, and there should be a peace in the sense that, he, he, you know, as he said here, he, he cares for which the sparrow that falls. Right. Nothing's outside of his providence. Nothing's outside of his sovereign hand. Right. So there should be an absolute warm blanket, you know, yes. that the worst they could do is stop my beating heart. Right. In fact, in the parallel passage uh, by Luke, chapter 12, he speaks there of the idea of uh, why do you have to worry? Don't worry about what um, clothes you wear, what you put on, what you eat, what you drink, because um, God will take care of these things for you in right. the midst of it. Well, why be worried about these things? No, no doubt. Yeah. So I there's do a believe... There's a sense of peace. Yeah, there's a subjective a peace that right. that is ours right. because of our relationship to Christ. But the context of this verse is not about that. It is about interrelational uh, human interrelational um, peace, and and he's really talking about um, peace between the Jew and the Gentile, or the lost and the saved. You know, the the heathen and and you know the Christian. That's really what he's talking about. He's talking about those who are hostile to Christ and those who are now at peace with Christ. And he's saying, is there going to be peace temporally with those? He's going, no, right. There's not, right. This divides the righteous and the unrighteous. Yeah, uh, you know, Jesus comes with a purpose. And the effect of that purpose is division, strife, mm-hmm. uh, but also peace. But it's not the peace that... And when I said Jew and Gentile, I, I meant like spiritually speaking, right? right? right. I mean, you know, the, I mean that the, the one who's in Christ, the one the, the the one who's in covenant, the one who's out of covenant. I yeah. meant like that. Right. I, I thought you went into another text. And I'm like, uh, where are we? Where are we? <laughs> but no, that's what I mean. And I was speaking, you know, yeah. in, in those kind of terms. But what I'm saying is he's he's come to divide those and and the whole argument in this text is is solely about well it's a lot like when Luke says um before you go to war right do count you, the cost. You, you count the cost right can i can i um go win the battle with 10,000 troops against the king over here who has 20,000 troops right? right if not i better go make peace well it's kind of like that here he's saying before you claim to be my disciple you ought to consider the the weight of discipleship and realize it's going to cost you your family. It's going to right. cost you your friends. It's going to cost you all the things that right now you hold dear. Um, it is going to cost you those things. And if in God's grace, he actually allows you to keep those because he saves all of them. That's, that's an act of God's grace, right. but he doesn't even give that as a qualification in this text. Right. He's saying, no, you should have your focus solely on me completely on me, be sold out to me, take up your cross, be willing to die, and that people who are going to nail, put the nails in are, are the people that you, you love. Right, right. So in summary, uh, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came to provide the way for sinful people mm-hmm. to have peace with God, and he gives uh, the believer the resources to have inner peace, to be able to help them in times of difficulty, to be able to live at peace with others. Um, they can experience, as we've said, the peace of God in the midst of answered prayer, mm-hmm. comfort and uh, grief, those kinds of things. And finally, one day, there's an eschatological kind of peace that go- is going to come, that Jesus will ultimately bring a peace that there will be inter- 
international peace. There will be, as you said at the beginning, there will be this inner peace. There will be this peace between men, and, and that's something that's going to come in the, in but, the future. But ultimately, as a result of the peace that has been garnered yes. between God and man because of the work of Christ. No other way it yeah. can come. So yeah. it's, it's amazing that the gospel has implications even as far out as um, you know bringing together nations at some point, right? right. But it does. Right. There is no peace. And that's why the futility of this world to think that they can, um, through um, you know, ar- arbitration or through um, uh, treaties or through whatever the case, you know, that they can, um, through trade or agreements or whatever, that they can bring peace. Ultimately, it, peace is not a possibility between uh, men, especially the, the believer and the unbeliever, without the gospel. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, we pray that this uh, podcast, this episode of the podcast, Asking for a Friend, has been helpful to you and ask that. If it is something that was helpful to you, if you could uh, rate or review or share or good old-fashioned word of mouth, we'd appreciate any way that you could get the podcast out there that might be helpful to others. Thank you for listening. Amen. Amen.